It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to New Jersey's Education Forum, a blog talk radio show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the education issues that are important to all of us involved in public education in New Jersey, a conversation that brings state leaders to you. I hope that you all feel free to join in the conversation. My name is Ray Penny and I will be your host for this morning. A couple of ground rules for those of you new to our show. Uh, we will not be using, if you're on the webpage, we will not be using the chat room feature at this moment. Um, and if you're interested in calling in and giving us a comment or a question, uh, all you have to do is call 1-347-989-8904. And when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1, and that will indicate on our switchboard that you are ready to make the comment or a question. Uh, just to let you know, uh, we have someone working the switchboard. Her name is Lauren, and she will get the name of the caller and the topic that you want to discuss. Um, and uh, that's about it. Uh, one other thing. If you are listening on the phone and the computer, it's a little difficult to do both at the same time because there's a slight delay. So if you're on the phone, I would say just turn the volume down on your computer. Uh, last Thursday, the Senate Budget and Appropriations Committee released Bill S-1872, better known as the Opportunity Scholarship Act, from committee with an 8-5 to five vote. I should note that the 8 was both Democrats and Republicans, so it was bipartisan support. Uh, the 5 was all Democrats opposing it. The Opportunity Scholarship Act is a voucher-like program that awards scholarships to either private or public schools to eligible low-income students who attend a failing school. I should note that this program is a pilot program, but it still has generated a heated debate, and it's a rather large pilot program, too. It's because it affects uh, most of the, the urban school districts, or a good portion of them. Uh, today I am pleased to have with us two individuals who probably will have opposing views on this issue. They are Chris Emigold, Director of Legislative Affairs for the NJDOE, and uh, Gordon McGinnis, who is a former Assistant Commissioner of Education with the Department of Education. He also served in the New Jersey State Assembly, representing the 25th Legislative District, as well as in the State Senate as a Democrat from Morris County. Uh, we had a little issue right now with Chris Emigoltz. He has not been uh, able to connect with us at this moment, but I expect him momentarily. Um, I will act as a moderator for this program, but I should point out that NJSBA does oppose this legislation, but I will try to remain neutral in the discussion, as I am sure that Gordon McGinnis can handle, take up the mantle of opposition, and Chris is much more, is more, more than qualified to speak on the benefits of the bill. Um, this brings me uh, to my first question. Uh, well, welcome, Gordon. Thank you very much, Ray. Um, uh, you've been pretty vocal. You've, uh, you're no longer uh, assistant commissioner, but I, I saw that you uh, 
wrote an article and you testified against the bill. What is the your opposition to the bill? And I know there's many issues, but let's take one at a time. Okay. Actually, I think there are two big big issues against the bill. The first one is we can't afford it. Uh, the state is broke, and uh, the governor keeps talking about a $10 billion deficit. And all of a sudden, he's able to find a billion dollars to, to put into a brand-new program, which, based on the research, is not likely to make much difference. And uh, so it seems to me a, 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 a terrible time to be taking a flyer like this on a bill, uh, on a program that's not going to solve uh, even a little bit of the problem. Second, the bill does not do what the sponsors say. This is not aimed at kids in failed public schools. Most of the kids who will receive uh, these voucher scholarships uh, either already attend a private school, and actually 25% is guaranteed because the, right off the top they take a, a quarter of the money and give it to kids who are already enrolled in, in, in private schools. And then secondly, they've expanded the definition so that any kid who lives in a district that uh, has at least one failed school, uh, at least in one of the 13 targeted districts, is eligible for the scholarship. So if they attend an effective school, uh, they can, they can, th their parents can apply for this scholarship. My my bet is that over half of the scholarships will go, therefore, not to the kids who are uh, who are talked about all the time by the sponsors and the governor, and where public school educators are shamed because uh, these schools are consistently uh, failing those kids. Instead, they're kids whose parents have already taken them out of uh, public school or never had them in public school. And 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 finally, just on that point, Ray, if you go to a school that does not accept kids from a failed public school, uh, if you go to a yeshiva in Lakewood or in Passaic, which uh, will not be open for kids uh, in those cities who are who, who are attending struggling public schools, you're still eligible for the scholarship. So this is not a way to uh, stimulate non-public schools to extend their hospitality to uh, kids from the public school system. Uh, this is to, to reward uh, private, mainly religious schools. Um, uh, and I think that was one of the uh, issues that the association had definitely was that at least 25% doesn't go to, uh, it's going to people already out of the public schools. Right. Um, do you think there will be effect, though, on the students who were, uh, I don't want to say left behind, but students who uh, can't get the scholarship and are still in the public schools? Will this be a drain on the budgets for those local districts? Well, it will be a drain on the budgets, uh, and it's designed to be that. Uh, in fact, the public school system will not only lose the student uh, and the ability to collect state aid on that student, but the public school district has got to provide transportation, and that can be what twelve, fifteen hundred dollars a year if the if the kid chooses to go to a school eighteen miles away. So, and it could, I guess, be even more than that. So, not only do they lose the state aid for the child, they uh, uh, and they have to pay the transportation. So it's it's a it's a financially a bad deal for for school districts. There's something that's worse than that though, uh, and that is that the the non-public schools do not have to accept 
kids who are special education kids. Uh, and in fact, the the bill says that uh, that the the, the parent uh, can still go ahead and attend even if they have a disabled child, but they have to sign a waiver that basically says, "I understand that this school does not provide uh, the services my child may need." Um, so right off the bat, uh, this is a incentive for parents of kids who are not disabled, who uh, parents of kids who are fluent in English, to uh, to leave the public schools and leave behind the kids who do have those problems, and thereby making it even harder for the public school to do well. Uh, and so it's. Uh, I, I think that this is not. Uh, I, I think one of the motivations here is to harm uh, public school systems uh, financially, educationally, and 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 their reputation. Uh, that's been going on for a year during the Christie administration. There's this uh, steady drumbeat that public education doesn't work in New Jersey, and when it turns out that that the uh, kids in New Jersey perform better on the one national test that is widely accepted uh, than kids in any state except Massachusetts. Second, We're second in the nation, and we're much more d- diverse than Massachusetts and much more diverse than the states that cluster around in the top five. When that happens, it's dismissed as unimportant uh, by the administration. So you have, the, have this... Uh, the steady, steady drumbeat that public schools don't work, and and very little attention given to why that may be, particularly when the schools that are listed uh, for purposes of uh, of attracting voucher students tend to be uh, the schools that are in the poorest parts of the poorest cities in New Jersey, and I think that is likely to be the most important explanation for why these schools struggle is that they're dealing with concentrations of poor kids. And that's a problem, frankly, that uh, no program, no initiative, no uh, great uh, new uh, reform has managed to uh, solve consistently and over time for the last 45 years we've been talking about this. And uh, when you have that kind of concentration of poor kids, you're dealing with an educationally uh, complex, complicated, difficult uh, problem, and uh, there's no recognition of that by the administration. No recognition of that by the sponsors of the bill. Um, now, I think uh, Chris isn't here yet, but uh, I would suspect that Chris's administration would agree that they're trying to ruin public education. I think they would. The governor has been pretty adamant about choice as an option, and, and I heard Reverend uh, Jackson say he realizes this will not help every student, but his analogy is if uh, when Harriet Tubman was working under these conditions, uh, the same philosophy that you're espousing, that if you can't save all the slaves, free all the slaves, why free any of them? But, so he, the feeling there is that we can at least help some of the students with this. Uh, well, the, but the fact is, Ray, that all the evidence that we have says you're not going to help them that much. Uh, when they go to the non-public school, their educational achievement is is unlikely to be any better than it is if they stayed behind in the in the public school. 
so so that the evidence from Milwaukee where where we have the most research that's been done uh is and that was that was started 20 years ago so we're not talking about you know a short term uh, snapshot we're talking about uh we're talking about research that went on an evaluation that went on for at least 5 years and the and the outcome of that was that uh, kids who left the public schools or kids who are already enrolled in non-public schools did no better uh than kids who were in the Milwaukee public school system and so this is a false promise and 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 all the research suggests that that will remain the case charter schools first of all are a, a, a form of school choice. And there the best research tells us that less than a fifth of the kids in charter schools will do better than similar kids left behind in the uh, public schools, in the district schools, because charter schools are public schools. Uh, 37% are going to do worse, and the balance will hmm. do about the same. So uh, the the evidence is strong. It's not complete, but it's strong, and all of it tilts towards uh, saying that uh, kids who are in public district schools do better than kids who go to choice schools. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I read through the bill, and, I, and I'm not really sure how this works, and maybe you can. This is not run by the DOE. Uh, the voucher, pro, uh, I shouldn't say voucher, the Opportunity Scholarship uh, Act. Uh, they create an Opportunity Scholarship Board with an appoint, appointment from the governor, the Senate president, uh, and the speaker of the assembly, one person from each. Do you have an idea how that would work, and yeah. do they need more than three people to do that? Yeah, for, sure they do. First of all, they amended the bill in the Senate, and so the governor appoints all three on uh, with taking recommendations from the speaker and the president of the senate uh, they're they, they not allowed to uh, make the appointments uh, secondly the le the legislation says that the people shall on the board shall be from the corporations uh, from are typical of, of the corporations that are uh, sending their taxes to the uh, voucher program so you're not starting off with a board that's very large and secondly starting off with a board that's not very qualified in terms of educational background the third problem though ray is that you and i don't know how the how they expect to run this thing these are volunteers they're going to appoint these scholarship organizations one in each region and there will be one of those three scholarship organizations that will be called a lead scholarship organization I expect that's going to be a nonprofit of some kind, but I guess it could be a, a for-profit. Uh, but I assume that the uh, I assume that the administrative and oversight functions will be uh, will be handled more by that lead scholarship organization than anybody else. I think that's just one of the problems uh, in this bill in terms of. Uh, and, and this is what I would mention as the third big problem. There's no expectation set about the non-public schools that receive these kids. The standards are very sketchy, and there's no good transparency or evaluation that can take place. Uh, the only thing that the bill requires is that kids who are on scholarship take the state test. Well, you know, th this is not going to be a... Uh, 
a, uh, a tidal wave of kids leaving public schools to go to non-public schools, this is going to be a trickle initially. And you're going to have two or three kids in the third grade at uh, St. Anne's School. Uh, and uh, they're going to show up, and they're going to take the state test. Nobody else in the school will take the state test. And because there are only three of them in the, on, the, on the grade three test, the results cannot be released. So we're going to get absolutely no information on how well this program is working. So you have a, you have a uh, you have a situation where th- there has been no uh, no useful bar set for a school to become eligible to receive these kids, where there is no uh, consistent oversight as to how the kids are doing, and where the results of the uh, of the first year, the second year, the third year, will not be available to the public. So the bill, if it's going to go forward, it badly needs to be amended so that so that there's a better idea of how this will be administered, uh, so the role of the department can be clarified, and so that the expectations and standards for the schools receiving these kids uh, are at a minimal level. Right now, there's this is this, this is like a handshake deal with no paper trail and with damn few responsibilities it it just is uh it's scary to think about that anybody would put forward a bill like this I don't really have much role uh, who would be setting up the regulation for this uh scholarship board in these groups is is that the DOE's position? yes it is the DOE would, it, it they would have the uh uh, I'm pretty sure that that's included in the amended bill that the department would issue the regulations. Um, and I think in the first year, well, I, I don't want to say I, I'm I'm less certain about that. Okay, and so these uh, the scholarship board would also be deciding who to accept as students in some of these schools if there's more than if there's more uh, applicants than there are places. Possible. Yeah. The um, I think it does call for a lottery at that point, um, and uh, it may be a situation that arises. But, um, the, but by the way, this, the receiving school has a lot of discretion. Uh, even though they cannot give examinations, they are allowed to set the number of places for which eligible students will be received. Uh, there is the special education proviso. Uh, and so even though they cannot administer a uh, screening examination on cognitive development or reading levels or vocabulary or anything, I believe that the, uh, the receiving school will have a lot, of, a lot of discretion, if only informally, just as some charter schools exercise very informal uh, discretion, if you will, in counseling people, uh, you know, if they, if they have a special education child. Well, we're a small school. We can't really provide the same quality or level of service that you can get at the, in the public schools. So we we recommend that you stay there. Uh, and I, and we don't know that that happens. Uh, but the fact that there are so few kids who are uh, have been classified disabled uh, in the charter schools suggests that something like that's going on. And the same thing will happen. The same thing will happen in these uh, non-public schools. You said you didn't expect, at least in the first year or first two years, oh, uh, 
all the all the spots be taken up, but wouldn't you suspect that at least 25% who are already in uh, well, some of the private schools would just automatically uh, be oh, sure. applying? Absolutely. So you would at least have those positions, yeah. a minimum of 25%, probably a lot more than that. Exactly. And let's hope – and by the way, the bill has this kicker in it, right? Because it's – so if you have – I think it's 3,900 spots in the first year for kids from failed schools. They're supposed to get the 75% of the money that doesn't go to kids who are already enrolled in non-public schools. But but listen to this. On August 1st, if the, all the 3,900 slots haven't been filled, the money that would have gone to those kids now goes to take care of already enrolled students in, in private schools. Uh, so my guess is that uh, you might see almost half the money uh, going out to already enrolled students. Uh, and you might see, given the fact that kids who are not in failed schools but who are in a public school in the district with a failed school, you know, they can apply too. And so even though, as I at, at the start of the show I said, this, this bill does not do, uh, does not serve the kids who are being used as the poster children by the governor and by the bill's sponsors to uh, lay claim to our uh, moral sentiments, right? I mean, we're, we, we're, we're shamed into supporting the bill because of the consistent failure of some of these schools. Uh, but in fact, the bill is not designed to, uh, to give most of, the, most of the places and most of the money to those kids. It's deceptive. It's misleading. It's false advertising, right? Um, now, some of the concern, and it seems like you may not be believing this because you, you, you seem to be indicating that the academic achievement of the students who use this will probably stay about the same, but some of the schools are concerned that there would be a brain drain, that the, their best students would be leaving, which kind of ties in with what uh, you're concerned with the special ed issue, but uh, their best students might be the ones applying or the par with parents who are maybe most aware of this. So for the schools that are the public school that's left, uh, they will not only have more special ed students or right. a higher percentage of special ed students, but they'll also probably lose their best academic students. Well, that, that, certainly is a that certainly is a concern. The one thing you know for sure in a program like this, just as with the charter schools, is whatever the academic level of the kid who's leaving a district school, you do know that the parent is interested or the parents are look, are interested in finding an alternative to the public school and by itself that says something about the family and it says something about the uh, about the value that the family places on education and it says uh, it says something about the enterprise of the parents to find to seek out alternatives if they're not pleased with what the district school is doing so that is the biggest factor in how well kids perform, is the is the uh, is the nurture and attitude and the and the social and economic and educational status of their parents, and so you do have uh, a drain uh, of of the, the kids whose parents are most attentive and enterprising about seeing their kids well educated. So I do believe. That uh, and here's what here's what the point of the evaluation is. If you take kids who are 
let's say, eligible for free lunch. They're African-American. They're not special education kids. They're not English language learning, learning kids. They go to a, to a parochial school under this program. When you do the evaluation, you don't compare them with the kid who is back in their public school who is a special education kid. You compare them with a the kid who's eligible for free lunch, who's African-American, who's in the same grade, and who is not an English, learning, English language learner. And that's how the evaluations are conducted. Otherwise, it's uh, you know it's it's just a different. You're talking about an unfair, uh, an unfair, unreliable, unusable evaluation. And so uh, this will show whether uh, I, I mean a well um, a, a qualified evaluation will compare you know if you will apples to apples among the students. However, uh, I don't expect that this will be an apples-to-apple uh, evaluation, given the the, uh, the the cheesy, the chintzy, I will say, chintzy guidelines that are included in the legislation. I mean, this evaluation will be, a, you know, like a five-page book report, practically, because there will be so little data generated for an evaluator. And... Uh, and the standards for selecting the evaluator are very, uh, very vague, and, and uh, I, I just don't expect that. And I, and I don't think this is an accident. Uh, a rigorous, uh, reliable evaluation is not going to grow out of this program, particularly uh, without having more uh, evidence of, uh, of, of achievement. Uh, and so... Uh, there are still possibilities that it could be amended that so it does focus on kids in failed schools and so that there is an evaluation that that can be useful uh and uh, which will reduce uh the level of funding required because this is not an affordable program a billion dollars in a state with a 10 billion dollar deficit come on i have an issue on that but before i move on uh how would you answer I know during the testimony, uh, towards the end, there was a woman who brought her son who testified, I believe, from East Orange and how mm-hmm. uh, he got a scholarship to, and not th- through this program, obviously, but a scholarship to one of the private schools and how it kind of saved his education. Mm-hmm. And what would you tell the parents of that, the mother of that son, uh, that why you oppose this? Because to some of those parents, this is their only option they feel anyway. Okay. All right. I would say to that parent uh, that, first of all, she did exactly the right thing for her child and that she uh, her her concern and enterprise was rewarded, and I applaud her. Uh, and that, uh, however, based on uh, all the evidence we have and what we know and and what we know we can afford, that this is not a time to be launching a large new program where the results are not likely to be as satisfying for uh, the children participating as as this one instance was for her son. That's what I would say, and I would I, I would end up by applauding her again that she uh, helped you know him identify a scholarship source and move to a school where he was more challenged. Um, so I don't I'm not uh, and by the way, Ray, if this were uh, if this were limited to schools that have a track record 
working with uh, children from poor neighborhoods, uh, as many of the parochial schools have, and where the standards and expectations were set for those schools so that they we knew that the kids were being taught uh, to master the core curriculum standards in the state, which is not required in this legislation, uh, and that they therefore would be better prepared uh, to go to a four-year university when, when they graduated from high school. Uh, if it were limited that way, I think the opposition to it would be much less intense. First of all, it would be much, much less expensive because you wouldn't be spreading the money out to kids in yeshivas in Lakewood or to, I mean, Senator Kane, in a conversation with me, says he wants to see kids go to Pingree. Uh, one of the best endowed uh, private schools in the country. It's got a $60 million endowment. It has uh, the parents, uh, the full-pay parents, pay over $30,000 a year tuition. Uh, and we're supposed to spend our taxpayer dollars taking care of Pingree uh, or uh, Newark Academy or, or, or Lawrenceville or, I mean, Petty. I mean, all of these highly regarded uh, extremely well-funded private schools, and because I, I asked Senator Kane why he had increased uh, the the ceiling on on how much can go out in these scholarships over the original bill, and that was his answer. Well, I don't think that in the middle of this crisis, this financial crisis, that the most important thing that we can do is to subsidize uh, education at Pingree Academy. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I want to get onto the financing of it, but I, I will uh, probably try to take the the other side a little bit uh, just to make this more balanced. The argument from there, from the other position, would be that you know it's nine, eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars to this voucher, which is a lot less to educate a child than it would be in your regular public school. So in essence, there really isn't a, as a cost to this, so to speak. Would you agree with that logic? There's not a cost. I don't. Uh, how can... The cost. I mean, you're spending the money on this voucher program, but you're taking a, uh, an expense away from the, the public schools. Well, so if you if you take yeah, two or three it, students away and you're spending twenty thousand dollars a year, and now it's eleven thousand. Yeah, no, it doesn't work really that way. Anybody who knows what uh, how any institution works, whatever wh whatever it might be, uh, and use our example again when we were talking about uh, evaluating this program, and the fact you're going to end up with two or three kids in the fourth grade at St. Anne's, uh, you're also going to lose two or three kids from, let's say, a couple of public schools or maybe five mm -hmm. public schools. Are you going to lose, you know, one from each of three public schools? Let's say. Uh, which could very easily happen in in Newark South Ward, for example, where you have a cluster of these of these underperforming schools. So, uh, so you, your class size for fourth grade next year, instead of being 23, uh, will be 22 in one class, uh, and there will be still two other fourth grade classes, and they'll each have 23 kids in them. Uh, well, do, what does that mean? That you can uh, consolidate the classes together and, and lay off a teacher? No, doesn't mean anything like that. Uh, does it mean that you uh, you uh, order one fewer uh, textbook if that's what you're doing uh, for the math series? Uh, well, you might, but you don't know who's going to be moving in during the year, so you probably have a cushion, and it doesn't affect that. 
Uh, does it affect anything? Sure. You don't have to provide a free lunch. Uh, and so, uh, but does that mean that you uh, reduce the uh, uh, pounds of macaroni and cheese produced that day in the cafeteria? Probably not. Uh, do you do you, does, do you get to lower the thermostat during the winter because you lost a kid? Of course not. You still got to buy the heating oil. Does does the principal you cut off his little finger or something because there's one less kid? No. So all of those costs are baked in, and it doesn't change anything in terms of or it changes very little. Let me put it that way, in terms of the expenses of the public school district, and uh, you know. Uh, so over time, if you got, oh, uh, uh, if you reached the maximum number of kids, and if they were all from failed schools, you would have forty percent of the kids gone in the fifth year. Uh, if the numbers are right, and I haven't added up all the numbers yet, the, the governor uses the number that there are hundred thousand, hundred thousand kids in these chronically failing schools. So let's assume that's the fact. Uh, I thought he used so, 200, but 200. Mm-hmm. Thousand, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I've that, heard but. different numbers, but the most recent number I heard was 100,000. Uh, so, actually, when you look at the the Abbott districts, there are only 280,000 kids in all those districts. So, you know, but uh, that includes preschool too, I think. The uh, uh, so what you have is uh, under the most optimistic circumstances, you would in 13 different districts, you would have 40,000 kids go. In a district like uh, Newark, where there are, well, let's say 25,000 kids in the schools that are eligible for these things, uh, would they take? And that's a quarter of all the. So you you might end up with uh, 10,000 gone at that point in the fifth year. If you did reach 40,000 and Newark's proportion was the same, yes, you would see some savings. In the first few years, you won't see much of any savings. Um, you know, we're talking about eligible students. It's not just students, though, who are on free and or reduced lunch. There's a different formula for this client right. who's eligible for this, right? That's right. It's much and higher than... Th- it's much yeah, higher than the so. normal. Uh, it's 250% of the federal poverty standard, whereas reduced lunch is 185% of the federal standard. This is quite a difference, and it's obviously uh, done for a reason, and that is to be able to include more students in the category of kids already enrolled in, in private schools, and in okay. particular to... Uh, in those private schools and those religious schools that are not going to take kids from the from the struggling uh, public schools, and uh, specifically the yeshivas in uh, Lakewood, uh, where there are 65 yeshivas, where three quarters of all the school age kids go to those yeshivas, uh, and in Passaic, where there are seven or eight yeshivas, and where a large almost all the white children, all the European children in Passaic City, go to the yeshivas. Well, they're not they're not going to be open to kids from the public school, uh, and but their their kids and the schools are going to get are going to benefit enormously from it. Is there a, 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 a go ahead? Is there a percentage that you have to take uh, of free and reduced lunch to, at the lowest income, or is just everyone's lumped nope. in together that two and a half percent? Uh, nope. There's no requirement there, 
And as long as they don't uh, exceed the 250%, they're eligible. Uh, and by the way, in 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 many of these neighborhoods uh, where these schools are found in Newark and Camden, you're not going to find many people who are at 250%. But if you put it into context, Ray, and and take the Lakewood example again, the average salary for a teacher in Lakewood is $55,000. That happens to be the same number as uh, the federal poverty standard for a family of a four. Uh, so a family with two kids uh, who, who earns 55000 would be eligible for this scholarship that the taxpayers would pay, even though that amount is the same as the teacher in the public school in Lakewood. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. In, the, in a time of, of great financial crisis where everybody is expected to sacrifice, that we would be using taxpayer money to take care of people who are pretty pretty much in the middle or in the lower middle and making that a, a, a uh, the emphasis of our attention, uh, you know, at a time when all sorts of uh, bad things are happening to, kid, to, to families that are poorer than that under the state budget. And uh, it, it, that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it um, makes sense to most New Jerseyans. Should, now, looking at the way it's, uh, structured now, it would seem that uh, many of the targeted districts would lose some funding, depending on how many kids participate. Right. But this, as you alluded to, takes a lot of money out of the general coffers. Right. This is money that's not being sent right. into our general tax revenue. Right. Should other groups be a little concerned, uh, other school districts or even others that, all right, now we've just taken $360 million, I think that was the number I heard for a year, uh, out of the general coffers, will it only come from these urban districts, or could it come from other areas too? You mean the loss of state aid, or do you yeah. mean the, the, the loss of the, the whole, the, all the revenue going into the pot? Cause there's, oh well, the revenue be less money for public education for everyone, right? It, everybody, yeah, that that's money that otherwise would be available for the for the budget. Uh, this is the third largest tax. Uh, tax uh, source that we have in New Jersey after the it's the corporate business tax uh, after the income tax and the sales tax and in the fifth year if all the estimates are correct about a quarter maybe 22 percent maybe 20 percent maybe as much as 25 percent of all the corporate tax revenues uh, will be gone <laughs> so uh, here you take the uh, as I said, the third biggest tax we have, and we're going to we're going to uh, reduce it uh, at a time when when revenue reduction is being cited by the governor as one of the major causes for uh, these huge looming deficits and the need that he has pursued to uh, to uh, whack uh, state aid to education to municipalities to uh, Homestead rebates uh, to higher to public higher education. Now, I'm not arguing that he had uh, many choices on that. I, I, I'm sure that uh, you know that there were cuts that had to be made because of the reduction in revenues. Uh, the, the the structural deficit was just too great, and he, of course, the biggest cut that he made was the failure to add one penny to the pension fund. And there you have very precise numbers about what must be 
invested by the state each year. And in the current fiscal year, that was $3 billion. Uh, that was the biggest item of reduction uh, in the budget. Well, his ability to to uh, come back and, and put some money back into the pension system next year or to imp- improve uh, aid to municipalities or to, to the school districts will not be helped. It will be hurt by these reductions to the corporate business tax. No question about it. And it's it's a tax increase on everybody else. Now, I, I see your opposition is, A, philosophically you think it's, not going to help the kids it's designed to help b it's very costly and it's very large too actually i guess for a pilot program you don't usually get a pilot program that's this uh broad i would determine uh, so you have some opposition what do you think will happen in the legislature i mean this is it's never gotten this far before no it, it hasn't only came out of a senate committee but it still has democratic sponsors in the assembly i noticed yep Yep. No, I think it's uh and the governor has uh, been very effective at at uh at uh, keeping the democrat major- the democratic majority off balance. Uh they're not sure where they're going and if, if that's the case, uh, you know, as a Chinese adage says any road will get you there if you don't if you don't know where you're going. Uh and uh and they don't seem to know where they're going and 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 so they're off balance and and that uh feeds the uh the chances that, it, that the bill will be approved. Uh, it goes over to the. Uh, it's available for a vote on the Senate floor. My uh, my information is I don't know if it's correct. Uh, is that it, the, the Senate is not going to bring it up uh, until the Assembly acts. So it seems to me that uh, the question is: Can we make? I have two uh, points of view. My my preference would be: Let's beat the bill. This is no time to be. Uh, deflecting uh, very scarce tax dollars into uh, religious schools and hurting public schools. Listen, you can't do that. Uh, well, philosophically, uh, you know, maybe uh, the governor doesn't care that that's the product, uh, and he's going to push ahead. And he's got bipartisan support in both houses. Uh, my My fallback position is let's amend it. So at least the sponsors are held to their rhetoric. Let's make the bill operate in ways that benefit kids in struggling public schools. Let's not throw everybody else who happens to be uh, in a religious school or a private school into the pot and let them have uh, the same scholarships uh, that are designed for kids in failed schools. Uh, Let's hold the schools more accountable than this bill does that receive the kids. And so that there are standards and expectations and that there is some oversight and there are some reports that people can look at and and uh, where we can test the data. Uh, so I think it needs, uh, uh, it needs substantial amendments. Let's reduce the cost. We can't afford a billion dollars. The original number, 360 million over five years, is bad enough. A billion one over five years? We can't afford that. No way. And we shouldn't. Now, uh, the understanding, I think, for most is that the assembly is where, if, if it's going to meet resistance, it would be in the assembly. Right. Uh, but I did look at the Democratic sponsors, so the, they're not just uh, 
they're from three different regions, so it seems that there is some support, and I don't expect any of the Republicans to oppose it at this point. Uh, so I, it will be interesting to see where it moves. Uh, we're coming to the kind of to the end of our time here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before I uh, sign us off, Gordon? No, Ray, I tried to give a fair and balanced point of view about this bill, and I hope any listener will agree that uh, it was that and that they can reach their own conclusion about it. But, uh, uh, no, I have my my opposition to this bill is very strong. It's very specific. I think it's uh, it's for very good reasons. And I think if if, if the public knows how uh, how expensive this is at a time when we don't have money for – think about this – Half of the Camden Police Department and a third of its firefighters are being laid off in the most dangerous city in America. How can you? How can we? How can we tolerate that? You have you have uh, teach thousands of teachers being laid off in across the state in some of the best districts. Uh, teachers who are teaching advanced placement courses in physics. Uh, I mean, this is uh, it is madness. I think to be. Uh, ignoring problems of health and safety at a time when okay. we have 30 we have 30 seconds okay so well, you know you know my point my point of view well, I this think is you made no your point real, <laughs> you made your point relatively uh passionately I would say I like to thank our uh, listeners for listening obviously and tuning in and um enjoying you know uh I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that brings us to the end of New Jersey's Education Forum, and thank you for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.